0: Hi, we're Grace and Clara, here to shake up the world of women's health.
1: We know firsthand how intimidating it can be to speak up when it comes to issues like your menstrual cycle or menopause.
0: That's why we create Unprocessed, a weekly podcast where we dive into every aspect of women's health, from mental well-being to physical nutrition. We're here to ask
1: the burning questions and encourage us all to advocate for ourselves.
0: So get ready for some smart, cheeky and witty discussions about all things women's health. Hey everyone, welcome back to Unprocessed with Grace and Clara. We're so excited for you to join us today because we are going to deep dive again into bowel cancer. And today we are joined with Dr. Penelope, a colorectal consultant and general surgeon in Sydney. But before we talk to her and discuss a very important topic, Clara, you know what I want to talk about. It is my failing veggie patch. This journey I thought was going to be therapeutic and easy, has turned into a bit of chamozzle. Everything is dying. All the leaves are wilting. I do not know what to do. Um, I did find a hack in our eight-week program. It mentioned to add eggshells, blitz them up in the food processor, and sprinkle them on the soil. And this adds calcium into the plants and helps them build foundations and helps the leaves, well, prevents them from drooping. So let's see how it goes. But to be honest, I think I have to go back to the supermarket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Otherwise, my parents swear by something called worm wee, which I don't know if you've ever heard of worm wee. No, I haven't. Okay, so obviously when you get your scraps of food together and you put them in with the worms so that to break down the food scraps um, and to cultivate worms, So if you do that, there's a juice that's left at the end. So there's always in one of those worm towers, there's this like tap at the bottom. If you squeeze Mm -hmm. out that juice or you open the tap and you take the juice out, you put that on a veggie patch, it will grow like crazy. That sounds really disgusting. (laughs) It is, but it's all the nutrients. So it's really, really good. It's all the juice and the nutrients from the veggies that have been broken down and um, and are decomposing. So it's really, really good for your veggies. Good for your food scraps too.
0: Oh, yes. We're all about reusing our food scraps. And I have to admit, the eight-week program is giving me some really helpful tips. This week, I followed along with The Green Hub. She was sharing how to keep your vegetables crunchy and fresh. So I bought a heap of containers. And honestly, so I bought broccoli, baby spinach and coriander maybe a week and a half ago, followed her tricks and they are still fresh. And I'm just mind blown. Like, thank you, Green Hub. If you're listening, we appreciate your tips.
1: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, I love the fact that there's a lot of food sustainability within our program. So, you know, everything that you, you shop and you buy, you use throughout the program, there's no wastage. Hundred percent. I honestly feel
0: like this is the best program we've ever created, and we're going to put a code in our show notes. Come join us and see what all the fuss is about.
1: So, Clara, why is today such a special episode for us? I think I spoke last week about endometriosis and how that was close to my heart. But Bowel Cancer Australia is very close to my heart. I had one of my closest girlfriends pass away from bowel cancer um, just three years ago. So. I feel like it's really still fresh and raw for me. I really went through that journey with her of, you know, her first diagnosis. She was rushed to hospital um, with severe bloating and she messaged us the morning after her surgery to let us know what happened. And I just remember breaking down then um, and just In my gut, I just knew something was really wrong. She was young, she was healthy, she had two really young kids that were her world um, to live for, and she really fought her battle really strong and really hard. But I think the one thing that I remember the whole way through was, A, me thinking it was a, a cancer that wouldn't affect us, I just yeah. thought of it as an old man's disease. And Kim used to say to me all the time, well she used to say two things, if I can swear, fuck cancer. And yep. the second one was that she felt like a large percentage of the time the people that she was talking to were talking to her and her statistics and her um rate, as if she was a fifty or sixty year old man who was going through this and she's like, I'm not, I'm young, I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. She lived a very outdoor lifestyle she was a farmer so she lived a very good outdoor lifestyle um and she was just like i am not that person so i really wanted to have a chat to Bow cancer australia about their never too young campaign which is all talking about the fact that You know it's one of the most prevalent cancers in 25 to 44 year olds which is really young and there's a lot of barriers around people getting diagnosed and that's because they are so young so really interested uh, in this topic
0: to be honest clara i was completely shocked when you shared the number of people it affected that are my age So today we sat down with Dr. Penelope, a highly experienced and skilled colorectal consultant and general surgeon. She has dedicated her career to providing comprehensive evidence-based care for her patients with an emphasis on innovation and best practices. Her passion for helping others makes her an invaluable asset to the medical community in this country. Today, she deep dives into this condition and how it affects the body, plus how we can detect it early.
1: Penelope, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Cara, and Grace for having me. So tell us about your role with Bowel Cancer Australia and a little bit more about your background.
2: I'm basically a very lucky spokesperson for Bowel Cancer Australia. I got approached by them because of my involvement in um, education, community education and patient education on social media um, with a little bit of background that I'm a colorectal surgeon. Um, so I have a special interest, of course, in, in bowel cancer.
0: So what actually is bowel cancer? Can you give us an overview?
2: So bowel cancer is basically well, a cancer. As you know, what a cancer is, it's basically when cells can grow so much that they form lumps and those lumps can grow within the organ that is uh, within it and then spread on the outside area or even distantly to all the organs. So bowel cancer is basically the cancer that occurs within the colon and rectum. So for
0: listeners who are hearing about this for the very first time, what are some symptoms that can alert
2: people of bowel cancer in the body? That's an excellent question. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's the mainstay of bringing awareness um, around this disease. Um, bowel Cancer Australia has got very, very good sources um, if you want something that is evidence-based and, and you can look into. And we basically try to make things easy to remember. And we use basically an acronym, which is basically coming out of bowel. So the five words in in, in bowel. So B is for blood in your poo. So whenever there is blood in the poo, it's never normal. Never. So it needs to be checked. Um, the O is from an obvious change in your bowel habit that basically means you know, you're usually regular, you go once or twice a day and then suddenly you have a week of constipation when you stop going and then suddenly you have diarrhea and it becomes a little bit erratic. So if there is a change in that habit that is usual for you, and that's beyond just one night of, you know, having a dodgy kebab, you know, it's, it's really something that sticks and stocks in your routine. You know, it takes and then comes back and returns to, to, to being erratic again. That needs to be checked as well. Um, W for weight loss um that you cannot explain so you know you're not on a diet you're not on anything on any medication that stops you from uh, decreasing your appetite Uh, you suddenly start losing weight and you don't really know why and that can be you know not only on weight loss with the fact that you get yourself on a weight and you're weighing less but also you know your clothes becomes looser you know that's also a sign of, of 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 weight loss i never weighed myself because i have a, <laughs> I don't like weighing myself, but Same. I know when I lost weight with my clothes, that's right. Uh, the E in bow is for extreme tiredness. And, and extreme tiredness is not because, you know, you went out the night the day before and you went to sleep late, you know, you can be a bit tired the next day. But when I mean extreme tiredness, is a tiredness that does not get better with sleep. Um you go to sleep tired, you wake up tired, you know, menial small things become very difficult. You know, you used to exercise and you stop uh, because you're just feeling tired all the time. And if that really's been happening for a week or two, again that needs to be checked. And then the L finally on the last letter is the presence of a lump or a swelling or feeling bloated in your tummy. So as you can see, you know, all of these symptoms can be anything, you know, we are women, how many symptoms do we have every, every month that sounds like this? So we tend to rationalize a lot of symptoms and in particular in young people, younger than 50, we need to really take care of, of, of us, of knowing ourselves because all of these symptoms, either one or two or three or the five of them can be related to bowel cancer. So you talk about young
1: people, um, and I know that Bow Cancer Australia has just launched Never Too Young as a campaign. I know that a lot of people believe bowel cancer to be, you know, an old man in their 60s disease. So what are the actual stats around the ages?
2: It's, it's very interesting that you say that, because that's, that's really the, the general thought from not only the community, but also from GP specialists and even other specialists, they're they're not really aware that the early onset of bowel cancer is really on the rise. In Australia, and let's just talk about Australia, but it is a worldwide problem. Uh, 10% of bowel cancers that are diagnosed are diagnosed in people younger than 50, okay? So that basically means that about 1,600 people per year gets diagnosed with this um, disease. 99% 99% of them are treatable if we cut them early and they are absolutely curable if we cut them early. So, so really knowing your symptoms, um, asking for help and requesting a colonoscopy from your GP specialist and not just disregarding your, your, your symptoms because you are young and because this is hemorrhoids um, is really, really, really important. You know, bowel cancer is the second deadliest cancer for all our Australians. You know, it is a very common cancer. So we're not talking about a rare cancer. Okay, Mm. and it's certainly the deadliest cancer for people between 25 and 44.
0: So how does lifestyle factors affect um, this condition or can lifestyle factors
2: impact this disease? Um, We know that basically a Western-style diet um, is a risk factor. You know, we tend to eat too much meat, uh, too much processed meats, too many deli meats, which are delicious, but we shouldn't really be eating that much. Obesity is another factor that has been identified as, as in general to, to put you at risk in bowel cancer. And in particular, in early onset of bowel cancer, it has been identified within teenage years. So if you are uh, uh, within the obesity scale during your teenage years, you have more chance of, of developing bowel cancer. Physical activity we were, were becoming more sedentary as, as, as years pass. You know, we're certainly less active as, as what we are, our grandparents were when we were, uh, they were our same age. Uh, we commute using cars and public transport. We hardly walk or do exercise afterwards because we live stress lives. So that also can affect it. And then there is being increasing research on antibiotic use, um, especially during the early Prenatal, one before or before we we are born and the adolescent or teenage is um, because exposure to substances like antibiotics can um, has increased or have become very prevalent and very used in the last few decades so the theories are that you know that affects our microbiome and our immunity and therefore it can affect our you know bowel lining but however there's additional research that needs to be done. And we shouldn't be just going crazy and doing these, you know, non-evidence-based diets that are all over the place in Google, because at this stage we don't have enough evidence or hard evidence really, of where and what we need to do in order to improve that.
1: So how do you um, mitigate some of these risks in your everyday life before, you know, just to help you keep healthy if you think you're at risk?
2: Well, first of all, I think it's important to be aware of the symptoms and to seek help. And if you find that your GP specialist um, is not aware or is not up to date in, in the onset of early bowel cancer, then, you know, just, just say it. Say, I want to have a colonoscopy. I want to have peace of mind and I want to, um, to have it checked. Because even though if I don't have family history, I am still at risk. Um, the evidence shows that you know people that have been born from the 1990s and you know towards now have at least 40% more chance of developing bowel cancer before 50, and and that's something that is a problem worldwide. So what can you do? First of all, be aware, know your know your symptoms. Second, you know try to to live, of course, a, as healthy as as possible. You know limits the amount of of processed meats uh, and daily meats and red meats, increase your grains and your, and your fiber in your diet, decrease the alcohol, stop smoking. You no, know, these are all things that are good for your general health. It's not only mm-hmm. for bowel cancer and know your family history is so important. You know, we are young and we don't tend to, to, to ask our parents or our grandparents, and they might not even be alive anymore until we get sick to know, you know, do I have any family history of anything? Because not only family history of bowel cancer is important, but family history of polyps in your family is also important because we're getting really good at screening over 50-year-olds now and the incidence of colorectal cancer is dropping. But the incidence in early onset of colorectal cancer is not dropping. It's on the rise.
1: So if I think about my family history and you've just alerted me to the fact that this can obviously be happening because I know my father gets polyps, Mm-hmm. Again, it's something that I've always thought of as more of a male disease or a male-oriented disease. How many female are affected? And, you know, because I don't remember my mother ever having this issue and if I talk to a lot of our friends, I do know their fathers have had these issues and they get polyps removed.
2: That is such an interesting statement because actually more cancers happen in women in the bowel than in men. Really? So, yep. So fifty percent, or fifty point two, I think it is, um, percent of bowel cancers are happen in women, and the rest happen in men. You know they are pretty equal, but but it is not mm-hmm. twenty twenty eighty. You know you know what I mean. Yeah. So it, it is certainly, it is certainly as common or more common in women. And the other thing that we know from women that have bowel cancer is that they tend to get um, their diagnosis much more delayed than men
0: mm.
2: and we are much better at looking for help right and you know women mm. tend to go to the gps more uh, we tend to talk about our symptoms more um, and all that but despite all that uh, we get to get diagnosed later mainly because our symptoms um either we rationalize them as being normal As in, I'm tired because I have kids. Um, I go iron deficiency because I am vegetarian or because I got a heavy bleeding on my periods. Um, oh no, you know, I I just bloated because I got IBS. You know, it's, we rationalize a lot. Women rationalize a lot. And, and when we don't, we also can, um, can find that when we go to our doctors, sometimes they are explained for us as being something benign or something not to worry about.
1: For women, what are the complications then of getting something like bowel cancer because, you know, fertility then becomes at play for a lot of women that are sitting in their, you know, 20s to 30s, um, which is that age that you're talking about now with the Never Too Young campaign. So what Mm -hmm. are some of the risk factors that women have, that women are facing over men, I guess, if they do end up getting diagnosed with bowel cancer?
2: It is an added level of complexity when it comes to not only giving the diagnosis, but treating, because then not only curing you is in the equation, it also has to do with you know, your survivorship and your legacy and, and you wanted to have children. So so it is not an easy, not an easy thing to go through. Um, the good news is that even when women within the childbearing ages, w- when they are diagnosed with bowel cancer and they require, for example, chemotherapy, um, they can still get pregnant or the majority of women will get pregnant, which is good news. Now it becomes a little bit more difficult if they need radiotherapy, which is a a type of therapy that we give um, in particular with people that have rectal cancers, which is the lower end of the large bowel. And that's where the ovaries are, basically. They are right in front of the rectum. So, you know, ovaries don't like to be radiated. You know, the, the, the eggs wouldn't be formed and they will stop. But there is procedures that we can do to move the ovaries away from the pelvis um, in order to limit the radiation that they get, so so certainly it is a multidisciplinary. So it's a very teamwork approach when it comes to early onset of bowel cancer because all of these extra, you know, complexities come into 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 the game and and the same thing with men you know men also if they need radiation to the testers then you know there's ways so of banking the semen um, holding up so in the future but there's something that if you don't talk i have to talk to my patients about it mm-hmm. so that i know what they want and then we can do it a very patient-centered approach because at the end of the day some people don't want to have children and they just want to get on with it with, with the you know, with the life and and the treatment. And it it does delay a little bit the treatment of the cancer, but it doesn't seem to affect um, the overall outcome, which is to cure you.
0: So where do you move the
2: ovaries? Like you said, you move them for treatment. So the ovaries are are, are dangling um, a little bit by things, um, ligaments and things uh, on the pelvis. So um, we move them up with keyhole surgery. We move them up and we fix them to the, Tommy wall you know to the abdominal wall rather than the little cave where the pelvis is so the pelvis is the area where the hip bones are and the mm-hmm. pubic bone is and the sacrum so it's almost like a, a little cave um, so if we remove them or we put them away from from that cave then the radiation can sort of treat what is below that and then limit the amount of of treatment into the ovaries
1: So when someone is diagnosed, what is the process that they go to? And if you're a family member or a friend who's had someone diagnosed, where do they go to for
2: support so that they can help their family member through this? That is a lovely, lovely question to ask because we tend to forget about the carers. You know, the husbands and the wives and the parents, you know, and in particular in, in early onset bowel cancer, you know, the grandparents, you know, everybody's alive. Um, so, so it is very important to also take care of, of the people that take care of you. Um, there is lovely resources, uh, on, again, on BioCancer Australia, uh, website and, and, and they have, you know, beautiful social workers and, and nurses and dietitians to talk to. Now, each hospital have got, um, a cancer care coordinator. Some, some people call it a patient care navigator. You know, there is, uh, people involved with that uh with counseling and also there is a wellness center usually in each hospital where they have psychologists and you know counselors to to help you through it um the first protocol though is always your gp specialist um you know he's the one who is going to be diagnosing you he's the one who is going to be overseeing the referrals to everybody and then you come and see someone like me who is a colorectal surgeon and we talk about the options or what we need to do Um, everybody has a different way to approach things, but I do believe that, and I think is, is it it always should be a patient centered care. You know, you should have a relative with you when you're talking about your, your, your different options when it comes to treatment and, and surgery in particular, you know, you need somebody next to you to remember things that you might not remember. You know, it is a shock to, to, to receive a diagnosis of cancer for anybody, young or old, you know, um have gone to university or not you know it's it's important to to speak in lay terms uh, you know so that we can you know communicate um it's important to have time for questions so i i i really recommend that beyond finding a treatment team that has the skills to operate on you or to take care of you or give you chemotherapy or radiotherapy you need to connect with the people that are you're working with, because it is you're you're giving so much trust in these people that you need to feel confident and comfortable with them. Um, it will make your journey through cancer much more easier than it than it can be you know if you if you don't know what's happening and you don't know you can you don't feel like you can ask questions or 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 that it's very important and the same with your relatives you know it's important to for them to be able to feel comfortable to ask questions and 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 see what they can do for you
0: so what led you to become a surgeon and go down this path for your career like was there something in your
2: life that a light bulb moment i think everybody has one of those when you get into medicine, because we certainly don't get in this because of the business (laughs) or because we sleep well or because we have (laughs) such a work-life balance and, you know, none none of that. And if you are, you are very deluded, to be honest, Um, in my my opinion. Um, My grandfather died of liver cancer, Um, and this has nothing to do with colorectal cancer. But I always have had a need to fix things I mean I'm sort of like I I like using my hands fixing things so I always knew that I was going to be a surgeon I didn't know what it was going to be Um, and then through my training I basically by exclusion got into colorectal you know I I did lots of specialties and then you sort of find your tribe Um, I got a theory that colorectal surgeons you know in general you and you may or may not know this but colorectal surgeons are very happy people that you know they're very stress-free they're very easy to talk to or the majority of the people that i work with um are and i got a theory that it's probably because we are exposed so much to the Mm -hmm. to some sort of microbiome in the poo that makes us happy and 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 you know (laughs) love what we do i don't know what it is um but that's pretty much it that's what that's why you know colorectal colorectal surgery is very varied and you you get to treat very varied things, you know, from cancer mm-hmm. to non cancer. Um and it's very fulfilling. Um I love being able to see my patients again and again and have a continuation of care. There's some cancers that unfortunately don't have that, you know, that expectancy or that survivorship. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. I you know I think everybody chooses what they end up feeling happy in more than anything else.
1: You mentioned earlier that you know ninety percent of the cases um, if diagnosed early, would um, are completely survivable. What are the current stats on the actual survival rate of bowel cancer?
2: Well, the survival rate depends on the stage uh, of right. the of the disease, and we divide it into four different stages depending on if it is just a small cancer that gets removed and it's nothing else. You know, just mm-hmm. with the colonoscopy like, you know you take the polyp and the cancer was within the polyp and there's nothing else that we need to do um or if you need uh, a bar resection which level it's basically involved in it so not to bother too much but basically it can range from 99 percent to 20 percent depending on yeah. the stage yeah okay. um so that's now, why it's at so every... important to catch it early yeah Exactly right. And, and, you know, in particular, in, in, in going back to the Never Too Young Awareness Campaign, um, what is important to know is that, and we have seen this in papers um, and in articles, evidence-based, that between three months and two years prior to somebody uh, younger than 50 getting bowel cancer diagnosis, they all had one or two or three of the symptoms that we just talked about. Mm. So if it was diagnosed two years before, it would have been just a pollen mm-hmm. um, or maybe even a, a smaller cancer if it was six months before. Um, mm-hmm. So delaying going to your, to your primary health cr- provider, your GP specialist, mm-hmm. it makes a huge, huge difference. Because despite the fact that, you know, these people, we're talking about younger people that are fitter, that have mm-hmm. less All the diseases, they don't have heart disease, they're not on multiple medications, they can even be very fit and have no other problems, even though they can support bigger treatments and and go through larger operations and and, and more intensive chemotherapy treatments, the survival between early onset of young bowel cancer and people that are not diagnosed within the early bowel cancer is the same. It's exactly the same. It so there is something within the fact that you are young, that your tumor is either more aggressive or, or that we don't know yet, um, or that because of the stage being diagnosed is, is, is delayed, that it doesn't, even by attacking it with everything that we can and even more than we can sometimes, doesn't make a difference in the survival. You know, it is still, it's still it's the same survival. It doesn't improve even by being young and fitter.
0: So if, you, um, if you're drinking more alcohol and that's your lifestyle, are you more likely to get bowel cancer?
2: Yes. So um, going above the daily recommendation in alcohol, it's certainly a risk factor for bowel cancer and for lots of other um, cancers and other diseases um so you know there is recommendations for women and then there is recommendations for men and this is what you know having alcohol is what we call one of the one of the modifiable uh risk factors you know things that we can change um in order to prevent ourselves to um having you know polyps and, and then cancers so
0: we all just need to have one less margarita
2: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much
1: so what kind of barriers of are- Young people facing when they're trying to get a diagnosis
2: it's it's, it's funny how you you asked me the question because actually just a paper got um, uh, published this year in January. Uh, I think I mentioned it before, which basically they ran a survey to all bowel cancer um, survivors, you know the early onset um, diagnosis before fifty. Um, and this was run in Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. So very similar, you know, in some way or somehow, systems, our uh, health systems. And certainly all Western societies where, where we know that the race in bowel cancer is occurring. And they found, they enumerated barriers that they felt could be improved on in order to mm-hmm. expedite the diagnosis or, or doing it faster, basically, not getting delayed. Mm-hmm. So the first one was um, the lack of awareness and education around um, the incidence of bowel cancer in younger people from the GP specialists. Um, it was the top one, basically. And partly this is why I'm so passionate about education and you know part of bowel cancer Australia, because if we don't increase awareness, we're not going to change anything. It's, it's all about education. Um, the second barrier was that whenever they actually went to the GP specialist, um, symptoms like rectal bleeding were commonly attributed to hemorrhoids or mm. to a fissure or to constipation. Mm. And therefore, not even bowel cancer was even in the equation. So I, I want to make sure that your listeners know this. No blood in your poo is normal. Never. No one day, no one teaspoon, no once every three months. I do not care. It's not normal. I do care because you need a colonoscopy. But the frequency of how it happens, what color is it, how much is it, is never normal. That merits to, for you to go to your GP mm. and and discuss it. Um, the other barrier was that when they were diagnosed with anemia, you know, which is when that is very, very common in particular in women, and in particular, those that had low iron levels were usually attributed to, oh, you're a vegetarian, that's probably why. Or you have heavy menstrual or uh, you know, your periods are heavy, that's probably why. And, and it's true, it can be. But if you haven't had a colonoscopy, you need to check. You need to have that takeoff before. And in particular, if you get treated for your iron deficiency, and after that proper treatment, you know, for six weeks or eight weeks, your storage should be going back. So if it's not mm-hmm. going back, You need a colonoscopy, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Abdominal pain, so tummy pain and bloating. You know, it was it was usually, as I said before, a little bit of diarrhea, a little bit of erratic Mm -hmm. bowels is usually attributed to IBS. Again, irritable bowel syndrome is really, really common. But if you have not been investigated for bowel cancer or for other reasons for your symptoms, then you need a colonoscopy. And in women... As I said before, that was the other barrier. They The other was to receive a diagnosis like, you know, anxiety and stress, and that's why mm-hmm. it's hitting on your tummy. No, you know, we you have stress all the time. Why suddenly do you have this change? So be suspicious.
1: My girlfriend, when she told me she had bowel cancer six months before, had told me that she'd gone to the doctor and was told that she had severe food poisoning, mm-hmm. and I am 100% certain that was – one of her first signs that she had bowel cancer and if they had investigated further then she wouldn't have ended up with stage four bowel cancer
2: i know i know and as i say, you know the evidence shows that symptoms are present even up to two years before the diagnosis yeah so what you're doing for your for your friend with your podcast and bringing awareness i'm sure that she's up there looking at you and saying thank you
1: she is my second girlfriend Uh, she's she was the first diagnosed and I just had another one within that, the last year and a half. And both of them, one was 34 when she was diagnosed and one was 38. So
2: yeah. please,
1: please get diagnosed.
2: I just want to say thank you so much for, for you know, um, supporting BioCas Australia with this and uh, for bringing awareness and for all the work that you do um, with I Quit Sugar. I think it's important to... To live a clean life um Mm. i i also think it's important to to look at evidence-based treatments Mm. and and therapies because you can also get stress anxiety about wanting to be healthy with everything um it's it's important to 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 be guided by by where the evidence is and and as new evidence comes up then you know new things will will, be doing but
1: yeah we definitely believe um an unprocessed life you know, it's obviously the name is I'd Quit Sugar, but it's just taking processed foods out of your diet and going back to just eating whole foods again, you know, eating eating clean, I guess is the new term for it, but just eating like our grandparents used to, you know, taking out it, a lot it, of that yeah. process.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a re- there is a reason why people in the ni- that were born in the 1950s have got a le- lower chance of developing bowel cancers mm-hmm. than people that were born from the 1990s. You know, we eat. we, we are what we eat um i i I truly believe that um but it's important also to 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 follow what is evidence-based so that you know there's so much that you can control in your life so it's important to 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 control what 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 there is going to be a benefit on
0: thank you so much for joining us today dr penelope we really appreciate you answering all our questions and deep diving into this topic it's so important that we all advocate for ourselves and we have awareness about these symptoms. We'll put links to everything we discussed in our show notes and join us next week as we talk about imposter syndrome with the beautiful cast See you next week, guys. If you liked this podcast, please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it. We want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives. This podcast is general in nature we aren't doctors or health practitioners. But if this podcast has prompted something for you, we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects
1: to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.